Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Now, in Isaiah 30, the Bible tells us of God's admonition to the nation of Israel. Reading from verse number 15, the Bible tells us something. They say, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strengths. But unfortunately, you will not. And I pray that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Now, if you read that entire chapter of the Bible, the Bible is making us to understand that the Lord is telling the nation of Israel that though you have a tendency for trusting the wrong things, Though you have the tendency for depending on nations that really cannot help you. The Lord is saying to Israel, as he is saying to you this morning, and he is saying to me this morning, that your salvation as an individual, your salvation as a family, our salvation as a nation, is a, is a function of us doing what? Returning to a trusting relationship with the Almighty God. Number two, the Lord is saying through that verse of the scripture that you, your salvation and your victory is a function of you returning to a total dependence upon him. And the Lord is saying, number three, that the, 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 the victory that you are expecting, it will only come to pass when you return in assurance that God Almighty is a very faithful God. So if you are coming back to the Almighty God, you have it at the back of your mind that you must return back to Him in a trusting relationship. You must return by total dependence and you must return that the Lord God Almighty is a faithful God. The Lord went on to tell the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah that it is in quietness and in confidence. That is where their strength lies. Quietness and confidence, that's where their strength lies. In other words, God is saying that if you put your confidence in me, the Almighty God, you will experience the quietness for your soul. In other words, when everybody is jumping from pillar to post and they are all confused, he said your heart and your spirit will be so confident, they will be so quiet because you are you have you you returned to the Almighty God. He said that it will calm your fears. When everybody is afraid of what tomorrow holds, he said that if you return to me, what you will find is that there will be confidence in your, there will be, your, your fears will be calm. He said if you return unto me in confidence, it will strengthen your faith. Because you will know that, yes, I am the one who is able to do that which is impossible. But the unfortunate thing, the unfortunate verdict of, verdict of the Lord in that verse of the scripture is that Israel will not return. And the unfortunate thing also is what you find in the house of God. A lot of people will not return, even when they know that returning to the Almighty God is where the solution is. No, don't, 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 there, there is, there's a lot of benefit, there's a lot of advantage in a lot of people will not return. The question is why? Why would they return to the Almighty God? Why? Why would the nation of Israel continue to act the way they are acting? Why would people, why would families, individuals return to and refuse to return to the Almighty God when they know that that is where their salvation lies? The Lord began to tell Israel, the Lord told Israel that the reason why they will not do this is because Israel has a tendency of vacillating, 
I'm kind of altering between two opinions. In other words, they have that tendency of not making up their mind whether they want to serve God or they want to serve the devil. They have the tendency of not being able to make up their mind whether they want to remain with God or remain with the nations of the earth. And people do that still in our midst. There are so many today who have not made up their mind whether they want to serve God or they want to be in the world. There are those who are one leg in and one leg out. And the Lord is saying, if you do this, you are not going to benefit from walking with the Lord. Number two, why they are not doing this? Because there is this misplaced trust. One minute we are trusting the Lord for provision, another minute we are trusting our own hand. One minute we are trusting the system, the other minute we want to want God to visit us. One minute we are moving forward, the other minute we are moving back. The Lord is saying, if you do that, you are not going to be able to get. That is why he was giving the admonition. The Lord is giving the admonition because a lot of people are placing their trust in the wrong things. They are placing their trust in the in the system, placing their trust in human beings, placing their trust in the you know you know in the in the in the placing their trust in the things that are transient. And the Lord is saying that if you are going to see me move on your behalf, if you are going to see me act on your behalf, you need to be able to place your trust in the right place. And the Lord is saying that stop hurting yourself. That's basically what we're doing. Because when you don't walk with the Lord, you are hurting yourself. You are walking against yourself. And the Lord is saying, if you take two steps to the right, and then you take five steps to the left, you're actually not making progress. You're actually retro. There's a retrogression that is taking place. You move forward two steps, and you move forward, you move backward five steps, you are not making progress. You are going backward. And the Lord is saying, stop regressing. The Lord is basically saying, telling Israel to start, you know, that the, the secret of making progress in life, the secret of advancement, the secret of getting what you want from the Almighty God is in returning and resting on the promises of God. It's as simple as that. The secret of getting what you want. You want your protection, you want your provision, you want your sustenance, you want God to fulfill his promises unto you. The Lord is saying that it is the secret lies in returning to God. The secret of seeing God fulfill his promises in your life is is dependent on your quiet confidence in the faithfulness of the Almighty God. One of my favorite verses of the scriptures, the Bible says that I have been young and I'm old, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or seeds begging bread. In other words, no matter how bad the situation is, if you want to see God move on your behalf, you have to be able to have that quiet confidence in the Almighty God, knowing that He hears and He answers prayer. So that is the secret. The Lord, that's what the Lord is trying to tell them. Now, why is it important for Israel to understand this? Why is it important for you? Why is it important for me to be able to understand this secret, to remember this particular secret? The reason is because the promise of God takes time. The promises of God takes time. It takes time for them to be fulfilled. It takes time for them to materialize in our life. There is always a gap between the giving of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. That's why the Lord is trying to remind you that within that gap, you need to do what? You need to remember that you have to trust my faithfulness. Number two, why is the Lord reminding them? The Lord is reminding them because the fulfillment of the promise of God requires time. It requires waiting. Number three, it requires management. In other words, you cannot just say, I'm waiting on the Lord God Almighty and then you fold your hand. The Lord has expect you to manage that time in between. He expects you to be engaged, productively engaged in the process of waiting for that particular promise. And the management and waiting period is one of the biggest challenges that Christians have. Yeah. The biggest challenge. 
That is why the Lord Almighty is trying to remind them. He's trying to remind everyone that the only way you can manage that particular gap and manage that transition and manage that period when everyone seems to be silent is for you to learn how to return to me and be and, and have that confidence that I am a faithful God. And the question is, why is the waiting period such a challenge? Why is the waiting period such a so why is the waiting period dangerous for a believer? The reason the waiting period is challenging and dangerous is because, number one, a lot of Hebrew believers are ignorant that the promise of God takes time. Many of us have this opinion that when God says something, it's going to happen the next day. That, that's why we find that there are people, when they, when they receive a prophecy of the Almighty God for, of their, upon their life, or their family, or their loved ones, they expect to see God move immediately. And when it's not happening tomorrow, when it's not happening in a week, when it's not happening in a month, you begin to question and say, where is God? After all, you said that you are going to do X, Y, and Z. But a lot of people are having, you know, the challenge of the waiting period is because a lot of people are ignorant of the promise, that the promise, that the promise of God takes time. Not only that, the challenge of the danger of the waiting period is because there is a lot of deception from the pulpits. People have been told by ministers of God that all you have to do is when you drop a dollar today, you get a hundred tomorrow. You drop a hundred, you get a thousand. You drop a thousand, you get a million. And you put a million, God knows how much money is going to give unto you. But that is not the that is not, that is not the case. We have been told that we don't have to wait for the promise of God. That you can get the promise of God like that. But God is not a slot machine. It doesn't operate a, a, a Las Vegas casino where you put a dime and you pull and the thing comes down. God is not a slot machine. And God is not a magician. It takes time. And because a lot of people have been deceived from the pulpit, there is that particular challenge and the danger inherent in that waiting period. Not only that. The danger of the waiting period is because of the impatience of many of the saints. Many don't even want to wait. They don't need a preacher to fool them. They don't want to wait. They want to see it like yesterday. God, I need healing yesterday. Lord, I need provision yesterday. I need my husband, my wife, my children, whatever I need. I need it to, I need it yesterday. You are wasting too much time. We are not no longer in the Old Testament. I don't have 25 years like Abraham. I need to get this thing done. Many of us are impatient. And that is why the particular period is very, very challenging. Not only that, there is what is called the naivety in the church. A lot of people just don't know how things work in the church. Yeah. We don't know. How to wait. You ask them to, you, you, you talk to a little kid, even in our society today, tell them to sit somewhere, and you find that in less than three seconds, they're already fidgeting. They're already fidgeting. They're already, they cannot sit still. They don't know how to wait. And that is happening in the church. A lot of church members have this thing called the ADHD. They have attention deficit. They can't even listen to themselves. Talk less of listening to the pastor. The point we're making is that there's a lot of things going on in the church, and people do not know how to wait. And finally, there's a lot of confusion in the church. Yeah. A lot of confusion in the church. In the sense that many don't even know what to do when they are waiting. You don't know what to do when you are waiting. Do I wait praying? Do I wait fasting? Do I wait just to... I mean, they don't know what to do. And you ask them, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. You are waiting on the Lord for what? What are you doing while you are waiting? Many, there's a lot of confusion in the church as to what it means to wait. And as a result, many don't know how to wait in the church. In the, wait in the body of Christ. Now, it is very important for you to understand the challenge and the danger of the waiting period. There is a challenge and there is a danger inherent in that particular waiting period. And the reason you need to understand the challenge and the danger of the waiting period is because if you do not understand it, if you do not appreciate the danger that is involved, you are going to frustrate yourself. 
The reason is because we are going to expect God to move on Monday. Why God is not even there, it's not on the calendar of the Almighty God until Saturday. If you do not understand that the waiting period has its own challenges, you are going to be frustrated. If you do not, if you do not understand the challenges and the danger of the waiting period, you are going to possibly preempt the Almighty God. In other words, you are going to begin to run ahead of the Almighty God. When the Lord says stop, you begin to move. When the Lord Almighty says move, you are still waiting. You begin, you begin to, you, there's a possibility that you will preempt the Almighty God and that will work against you. When you don't understand, when you don't understand the danger and the, and the, and the, and the challenges that are inherent in the waiting period, you will be misaligned. You will be, you know, you will be, you will, you will align yourself with the wrong set of people. Because you think those are the people who will help you fulfill the promise of God. You think that those are the people who the Lord God Almighty wants to use to bless you. You think those are the people that God wants to walk through. If you do not understand the waiting period, there is a strong tendency that you will begin to walk with the wrong set of people. If you don't understand the waiting period, the danger and the challenges associated with it, there is a possibility that you may abort or sabotage the promise of God for your own life. Because you will put your hands into what you are not supposed to put your hands into. You will do things you are not supposed to do. You will associate with people you are not supposed to associate with. You will begin to say the things that you are not supposed to say. And at the end of the day, you will find that the promise of the Almighty God that was supposed to happen in your life sometimes becomes delayed or becomes hindered. Just because you do not understand that between the promise, between the time the promise is given and the time the promise is fulfilled, there is a gap in between. If you don't understand that gap, tendency is that there will be abortion or sabotage of that particular promise. And finally, you are going to be open to the deception of the enemy. Genesis chapter 12. Reading from verse 1, the Bible tells us, Now the Lord has said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, and to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, in this very short verse of scripture that we have read, there are embedded in there specific promises to, the, to Abraham by the Almighty God. And the first promise you see there is the promise of a nation. He said, I will make you a great nation. The second promise you see there is the promise of a seed. And your, you know, to this, to your descendants, I will give this land. In other words, to your children, I'm going to give this land. There's the promise of the seed. And the third one is the promise of being a promise. He said, and you, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you see the promise of the nation, the promise of a child, and the promise of being a blessing. Now, many of us know the story of Abraham. If you have spent a minute in Sunday school, you probably have heard it one way or the other. There's when we, we know the promise of Abraham. We know the story of Abraham. We know how he wandered the promised land. We know how he had a son. Uh, how he had a son through his maid Hagar because his wife was barren. We know how he had to wait for the promise. You know, wait for that particular promise to be fulfilled. Many of the scholars tell us that it, it took you know it took over twenty years for that promise to come. It took over four hundred years before the nation of Israel was actually born. And the question that kept coming to our mind during this particular study is this: What was Abraham doing between the time he received that revelation and the time the fulfillment of that revelation? What was he doing? Because a lot of time went by. 20 years is not easy. If you add 20 years to what we are right now, many of us are going to be, if we still have teeth in our mouth, you know, the Lord will help us. There's a long time between the giving of the promise and the receiving of the promise in the life of Abraham. So what was he doing? 
What was Abraham doing when he was waiting for the promise? According to the account of the, of the life of Abraham that we read in the scriptures, you will see that Abraham, while he was waiting for the promise of the Almighty God, the first thing he did was to obey that particular instruction. The Bible says Abraham obeyed the promise of the Almighty God by leaving his house, and leaving his family's house. The second thing we see Abraham doing is that Abraham was moving in the direction of the promise. Bible says he started traveling into the land of Canaan. He knew that was what the Lord wanted to give him. So he started traveling. He started moving in the direction of the promise. In other words, when the Lord tells you to do something, you may not be the you know, when he wants to make you enough, when he wants to make you into a builder, he does not expect you to build a skyscraper the first day. You probably have to build a Lego. And then you move from there. And then you move from there. Abraham started traveling in the direction of the promise of God. Immediately he received that promise. The next thing we see Abraham doing in the scripture, Abraham have started engaging in productive ventures. Engaging in productive ventures. By the time you read Genesis chapter 13, in verse number 2, the Bible said that Abraham became very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. You don't get rich in silver, in cattle and in gold by sitting down and twiddling your finger and saying, God's what God wants to bless me. No, it doesn't happen like that. You don't get rich by imagining or fantasizing about it. You don't get rich because you just you just imagine yourself and you say, I will it. I see myself. I can do it. I can do it. Yes, I can do it. You don't talk positive. Talk to yourself. You have to be engaged. And Abraham waited for the promise by engaging in productive venture. The Bible says Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. In other words, Abraham grew his household while he was waiting for the promise of the Almighty God. Number four, we see that Abraham was also fighting and winning the battles of life while he was waiting for the promise of God. In other words, life does not stop because you got a promise. Yeah. The enemy does not stop because you got a promise. Because the Lord said he's going to take you somewhere. It does not mean that you are still not going to go through the daily challenges of life. It doesn't mean that your bill will stop coming. It doesn't mean that your kids will not get sick. It doesn't mean that you are not, still going, to, you are not going to have issues with your husband. It doesn't mean that your, your, your boss will not continue to be a pain in the neck. No. It means life will happen. Abraham continued to fight and to win the battles of life. The Bible says he had to go and rescue Lot. Even in the process of waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God. Oh, but the interesting thing I wanted to focus our attention on, one of the things that Abraham did that was outstanding while he was waiting for the promise of God is what we see in the book of Genesis chapter 7, sorry, chapter 12, reading from verse number 7. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham, said unto, and he said, and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there, look at what is on the line on the screen, there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Verse number 8. And he removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. That was not the end of the story. By the time you took get to Genesis chapter 13, reading from verse number 8, the Bible says that Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. In other words, Abraham, while he was doing all that he was doing, while he was busy engaging productive, uh, product, uh, product, while he was being, uh, productively engaged, while he was fighting the battles of life, while he was obeying the word of God, while he was traveling in the direction of his promise, the Bible said that he kept on building the altar to the Almighty God. So from the verse of scripture that we have read, you see that while Abraham was waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God, he was busy building an altar unto the Lord. And the question this morning is, what is this altar? And why was Abraham building it? What is the altar? And why was Abraham building it? 
An altar is a structure upon which offerings, such as sacrifices, are made. An altar is a place of offering and sacrifice. In other words, Abraham was building a place where he will continue to offer sacrifice, where he will continue to provide an offering to the Almighty God while he was waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God. An altar is a place of consecration. Abraham prepared a place where he said, Lord, I am dedicated to you, even as I wait upon this promise, no matter how long it takes. An altar is a place of is a place of commemoration. In other words, Abraham remembered that this Lord is where you met me. This is where you gave me the promise. This is where you gave me the dream. This is where you are telling me what my life will be in the future. And I'm building an altar as a remembrance so that when I go astray and I travel the whole world and I come back to this place, I will remember what you told me here. That is why he built the altar. An altar is a place of an encounter. A place where you meet, a place where you have an exchange. Abraham knew the kind of exchange he had with the Almighty God. And that was why he built an altar there. An altar is also a place of trafficking of spirits. Depending on what you do on that altar, depending on the kind of traffic, depends on the kind of spiritual traffic that you have there. If you sacrifice to God, you have the trafficking of angels. And that's what you see when Jacob was running away from his brother. The Bible said when he got to Bethel, as he laid down his head, the Bible said that the heavens were open. There was a ladder from heaven that was touching heaven. And there was an ascending and a descending of the spirit of the angels of the Almighty God. Which means there was a trafficking of the spirit. Abraham knew that the only way you can continue to hear from the Almighty God, the only only way you can continue to enjoy the fellowship with the Almighty God, there has to be an ascending and a descending of the Spirit. And that was why he built an altar for the trafficking of the Spirit of the Almighty God. And the question is, why was he doing it? Why was Abraham doing it? Go back to Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse number 7. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, which appeared, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Er on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. From this verse of the scripture, you see that Abraham was building an altar because he wanted to commemorate his encounter with the Almighty God. Abraham was building an altar because he wanted to remember the promises that God made unto him. Abraham was building the altar because he wanted his vision renewed. He wanted to continue to renew, renew that vision. To be able to continue to remember. This is what you told me. When my heart is going astray. This is what you told me. When life seems unpleasant. This is what you told me. When this thing is taking too long and my heart is becoming discouraged. This is what you told me. Abraham built the altar to renew his vision. Abraham built the altar so that he can communicate with the Almighty God. He knew that this was the late place I met the Almighty God. This place must be special. I will build something here so that I can find a place. A, a meeting point with the Almighty God. Abraham build the altar so that he can have fellowship with the almighty God that was why he was building those altars because he understood that if you do not have a place where you talk to God if you do not have a meeting point with the, a meeting place with the almighty God there is a very strong tendency that you will forget what God has told you there is a very strong tendency that the focus on the things that God has told you will become blurry and you will not be able to remember it anymore there is a strong tendency that you will no longer be able to remember the things that he has promised you and that was why Abraham built it so that he can continue to keep the vision of God right in his presence that's why he built the altars and now that we know that it, why you know what, we know what Abraham what the altars are and what, why Abraham built those altars, the question is why was it important that Abraham should build an altar? Why was it important that Abraham should build an altar unto the Lord? It was important because Abraham understood that without the altars, 
he was a lost person. Lost in the sense that you, I mean, you, when the Lord tells you something, there is a, I don't know whether it has ever happened to you before, but somebody gives you a promise. I'm going to give you a particular check. Or I'm going to give you a particular thing. And that person disappears for a day, disappears for two days, disappears for a week, disappears for a month. There is a strong tendency that you begin to question that person's promise. There's a strong tendency that you begin to forget. You begin to doubt whether that person will come through in that promise. And if you don't take time, if everything that you have depends on it, there's a question you begin to question your own ability of hearing that person or hearing the promise of that person. So what you see, the movement of Abraham from his father's house, his departure from his own country, everything that Abraham represented was based upon the promise that God gave him. And for him to continue to secure his own identity, he had to build the altar. He needed to build the altar to remind himself that Abraham, you are not a wanderer. You are listening to the voice of God. You are not somebody who is just wandering the wilderness. There is a reason why you are doing what you are doing. There is a reason why you are in the middle of the wilderness. There is a reason why you have all your belongings on the, on the back of a camel. There is a reason why you uprooted your wife and your, and your nephew and you started traveling in the wilderness without having a GPS. There is a reason why you are driving the way you are going. It defined his identity. That's why he built. That is the reason why he must build it. Because he has to remind him of who he was. Remind him of what he has heard. Abraham needed to build the altar because he helped him to focus on the promise of God. Anytime he saw the altar, anytime he saw the altar and he, and he came and encountered one of his altars, he will remember, the Lord spoke to me here. This is what the Lord says. And that's why the Bible said that we should write the vision and let it be plain. So that those who read it may know. Because the vision is for an appointed time. Yeah. It will not lie. He said, don't entirely wait for it because it will surely come. Abraham understood that the only way I can continue to focus on the promise of God is to build an altar to remind myself of it. Number three. Abraham needed to build the altar because he needed to restrain his appetite. He needs to restrain his own tendency. There is a tendency for you to go astray. There is a tendency for you to do the things that you are doing. And that is why when the Lord is telling you that this is where he wants to take you, you need to be able to write it down and have people surround you so that you don't put your hands into the things that would jeopardize the fulfillment of that promise. And that was what Abraham did. To be able to restrain his own appetite, to be able to restrain his own selfish tendencies, Abraham built an altar to remind him you can, others can do whatever they are doing you cannot do it because you are a called person. Others can engage in certain activity. You cannot engage in that activity because you have the promise of God upon your life. Others can engage in certain behavior. You cannot do it because the promise of God is upon your life. The call of God is upon your life. Abraham built the altar to restrain himself and to restrain his own appetites. Abraham built the altar because he wanted, he wanted an assurance of the presence and the protection of the Almighty God. He knew that as long as the altar was there, it was a reminder of the promise of God. And because it's reminded of the promise of God, he knew nothing will happen to me until that promise is fulfilled. Nothing will happen to me until that promise will fulfill. I will not die but live to declare the glory, but to declare the glory of the Almighty God. I know I'm not going to die until this promise is fulfilled. That was why when people were wondering, why will Jesus be sleeping in the, in the, in the, in the helm of the sheep when there was a storm? Because Jesus knew, I came to save the world. I came to die on the cross. I am not going to die until I die on the cross. Isn't that interesting. That was why when everybody was all agitated and they were all jumping up and down he knew he was not going to die. He knew it. Because he knew the promise of God was that yes, you are a sacrifice. You are the Lamb of God that came to save the world. And until that sacrifice is offered at Golgotha you are not dying. So when the sea was doing whatever it was doing, Jesus was busy sleeping. And Abraham built an altar to remind himself 
that the whole world might be going upside down, that they might be taking lots into captivity. These might be going out in the wild, wild west of Canaan at that time. Nothing will happen to me. The Lord is going to be around me. His protection will be sure. His provision will be sure because I know he has given me a promise. That's why he built the altars. And that's why he needed to build the altars. And finally, he needed to build the altar because he reminded, he needed to rest in the faithfulness of God. Anytime when his heart is disturbed, anytime he looks at Sarah, say, this baby is getting old. We got to do something. He will look at the altar and God will say, I promise I was going to give you a son. And then he say, no problem. And that's what the Bible tells in the book of Romans chapter 4. He said that Abraham was persuaded that God was able to raise the dead. Even the deadness of Abraham's way of Sarah's womb, he knew that God could do a creative miracle. He knew that God could turn back the clock of that particular woman and make her, you know, at the prime of her age so that her body can still carry a child. He knew that God can turn the clock and that was why he built the altar so that he can rest in the faithfulness and the promises of the Almighty God. And that is why you also need to build an altar. That's why you also need to build an altar. Because if you don't build an altar, your heart will be disturbed. If you don't build an altar, there will be no assurance of his protection and his provision. If you don't build an altar, you will not be able to restrain yourself from doing the things that will be hindering to the growth of the, of, God, of the promise of God in your life. If you don't build an altar, you will not be able to focus on the promise of God. If you don't build an altar, your identity in Christ will not be secure. You need to build an altar to do what? To be able to make sure and remind yourself that God is not a man that is your lie. Or the son of man that is your repent. That whatever he has said he's going to do in your life, it might take a year, it might take two, it might take ten. I hope it doesn't take twenty-five. But sometimes it might be take four hundred years. The Lord will do what he promised that he will do. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.